Coog's house. I wish I had better ways to say this or better ways to go about it. But he's going to screw it on Saturday. Let's break it down. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Andrew, to break down all things Cougs if you're a U of H fan or just a hero came to step by, and I think there are going to be a few of those today. Please be sure to subscribe down below. That way, the latest on Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. And we appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. And welcome back to the channel. So, you found us. It is so good to see you again. Uh, remember to hit subscribe. We're doing giveaway every 250. Next one of those being 1750. Um, we're still figuring out what that is. We're up over 1650. So, obviously, hit subscribe. We lay to you every day as we can. Now, uh, if you want to be in that contest, like and comment on the video. If you can't think what to say because you're still a loss of words after what happened on Saturday, tell us what you did after the game to deal with it. Um, yeah, tell us. All right. So what I want to talk about some, as the Houston Astros are officially blowing the ball game here on my right, so it's going to be 3-3. Three, three. Um, I want to talk some about the football game between Texas and Houston, not the same, on Saturday. Um, I want to talk some about how we got to the spot and what the bad spot call was, if you were living under rock or don't understand or don't remember. Um, then I want to talk about the call about the play that came next because I think it's drawing criticism. I don't I don't get it, so I want to ask why, but explain why I don't understand why there's criticism there. In the third and final segment, I want to talk at length some about what we learned about the Houston Cougars on Saturday uh, and what was a hard-fought game, to say the least. Now, as we mentioned... Uh, Houston does get screwed at the end of the football game. Let's talk a little bit earlier in the case and kind of get up to that as quickly as we can. Um, Texas goes up 21-0 in the early second quarter. Bigger, stronger, faster. Houston very much looks like they're like catching their wind, kind of figuring things out. Um, Houston went on to score twice in the second. Um, first is a big throw to Golden. The second is a 21-yarder to Man Jack. Um, then Houston opens the half with the ball at after, after halftime and also scores. That's the possession where... Manjack has the touchdown, but then on review, they call him down at the one or the half yard line. Ends in a play that they actually have run a lot this year where they have a quick in out of Sam Brown and then a corner out out of Manjack. Manjack was wide open for the touchdown. Um, anyway, that's how that one goes. That's how that possession goes. And then uh, very apparent after that, the way the rest of the game went, um, Houston had abandoned the running game after that early first quarter they left the first quarter with negative six rushing yards and really just kind of ran to keep Texas honest at that point. Houston was really very successful passing the football. And frankly, Texas had no answer for Houston's pass game throughout the game. Houston had two turnovers in the, I believe they're both in the third quarter here. Um, there was a pick in the end zone that was kind of brutal. I read that as the quarterback and receiver weren't quite on the same page on the, if this, then that, if that, then this kind of coverage um, thing going on. And then they also had a fumble on a sack. The, um, the big thing in between those turnovers, though, was that um, Houston lit, lights up Quinn Ewers, big sack from Nelson Caesar, and then a couple plays later, uh, David Gwegbu hits him on a run play, tackles him in his shoulder, so much so that Gwegbu actually gets shaken up on the play as well. Um, Ewers ends up throwing two incompletes to finish that series and then comes out of the game and never goes back in. Um, he came out of the game, took his shoulder pads off, the shoulder sling on. It looks like he's out for a while. And while you never want to see a guy get hurt, 
obviously, um, it did clearly alter this football game, right? Um, you would talk about like making plays, and then Guego made a play that took a guy out of the game, and, and frankly, wasn't a dirty play or anything like that. It just a guy got hurt, and that Houston was already like competing. It's like Houston had no chance to compete, but when Malik Murphy came in for Texas, their whole game dynamic shifted. Uh, Houston finds Sam Brown deep to get into field goal range and ties it up. Uh, after that, back and forth. Um, and then Houston gets the ball. Oh, sorry, after they tied up, Houston kicks off. Texas is a giant kickoff return, right? Uh, like 51-yard kickoff return um, that ultimately leads to a short drive on just a few run plays um, because Texas could get away with wasting clock on running the ball there. They already crossed the 50-yard line. Um, ends up scoring a touchdown. So Houston's down a touchdown, gets the ball, Five minutes and 37 seconds left. And we get the drive. Um, they get the drive is moving. Big pass here, big pass there. Strike, strike, strike. Throw it through. I mean, Donovan Smith is balling. And they get down inside the 10. They have to get to the uh, nine yard line for a first. Um, Stacy Sneed takes the uh, inside zone play, right? He gets, it looks like on all replays, to about the eight, if not the eight and a half, definitely across the nine. Instead, the on-field call is that he's about a yard, if not a yard, and just le- less than a yard and a half short. Um, that's egregiously wrong. It's full stop wrong. There's nothing. It's just wrong. But there's no replay called, no no review from the booth, nothing like that. Um, Houston would then turn around and throw the ball in fourth and one, incomplete. Texas is able to kneel the football out and win the football game. Now, I think the frustrating thing about a couple things on this one was, well, for starters, um, obviously you could go back to like the two turnovers in the game. Obviously you could go back to, um, the big kickoff return that set Texas up for a touchdown, right? If you pinned them deep the way that Malik Murphy was unable to throw the football against Houston, they probably are in some trouble. You could go to a number of other things that Houston could have done to win this football game. But, and as I was frankly painfully reminded that if Houston had gotten that first down, they would needed to score a touchdown on one, one of four plays from inside the nine. We're presuming that happens because they've been rolling an offense, only only like shooting themselves in the foot kind of things were slowing them down. Everything else was rolling their way. So if they score a touchdown, then that gets into overtime. You're assuming they play overtime without Quinn Ewers, right? Because they had he was out of his pads at that point. Houston's got a real chance to win this football game. Probably should have won the football game had it gotten to go to overtime. That opportunity was snatched away by a poor call, a bad call. And it was like, it's not just the Houston homer. It's not, it was wrong. People from the Austin American Statesman are tweeting that it was wrong. People from like Bevo Nation bogus Twitter are talking about like, got away with one there. Like it was the wrong call. I think what's really interesting is that by Sunday night, it's gotten out that the head replay official um, was uh, Gene Simcoe. Um, I believe that's, that's the last name, Simcoe. Um, but noted attorney in El Paso and UT Law alum now i'm not saying that like he was i've like swayed it. i think it's really interesting that the game came down to the lack of replay in a crucial moment this guy has a ut degree in his back pocket and like for what it's worth why is this guy even able to be on the staff at all for texas games there's other big 12 games he, he can be a big cool official totally absolutely and i guess you could connect dots and maybe say maybe he should be a pac-12 official or something i don't know but at the end of the day, like he shouldn't be at Texas games, and he, he didn't ask for replay at, the, at that point. Um, it just was wrong. Stacy Sneed gets across. Now, 
obviously there's part of us to point out like Parker Jenkins probably gets a little bit more there. Um, he has a little bit more, you know, junk in his trunk. He's running across the line of scrimmage. I get that. Um, Stacey Sneed might be better fit to be running outside. Da, 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 right. We could criticize those kind of things. But at the end of the game, at the end of the day, they they crossed the they crossed the marker. They should have had a first. They should have had four chances to score from inside with about a minute and a half left from the, inside the 10-yard line. And then they could go for two and win it or go to overtime and win in overtime because Quinn Ewers is out, right? They should have had those chances, and those got taken away. Um, there's no way to go around this. Houston got screwed. And it kind of adds to the folklore of Houston getting screwed in these kinds of things, whether it's getting left out of the Big 12 by Ann Richards, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. It just continues to add to that storyline. Um, I will say, like, it's I'm not really big on moral victories. I do think that there were people <laughs> um, that were like, like on the Texas side of things, like, oh man, like that understood it too, and like are crazy to you know excited to get away with a win on their behalf. Um, they but they totally have to feel like they escaped. There's no way they can feel good about that. And frankly, while Houston didn't win the game to ruin Texas season, if they knock Quinn Ewers out, that team is not going to win football games without him. They might have ruined their season anyway. Um, I can't believe Texas moved up in the uh, AP poll. I can't believe that. That I mean, they if Texas moved up in the AP poll, Houston should be moving and creeping because that's ridiculous. They're clearly as anyway ridiculous. Um, I want to talk some about the play that came after Houston got jobbed on the third down call. But first, I want to talk about the plays that went well. Can we talk about the plays that went well? Because Athletic Brewing Company is doing this thing where they're honoring all of these game-changing performances, game-changing plays, and the Game Changer of the Week is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And much like I want to say Stacey Sneed getting the first and be somewhat poetic because he didn't actually get the called for the first, I'm going to go with David Agwegbu knocking Quinn Ewers out of the game and kind of shutting down that Texas offense in a lot of ways for part of the second half as the play of the game. I could also, for what it's worth, go to um, – the big crosser of Sam Brown in the middle of the field as a big play, uh, you know, marks him down to a field goal. I actually was a sideline throw from the, the wrong one. Um, but I can make either one as a play of the game. I really want to make the Stacey Sneed play the play of the game. The truth is the play of the game is the one that didn't quite get to happen. But game changes are all over the Houston Cougars sideline and all over the field for the Houston Cougars. And game changes are with Athletic Brewing because Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic alcoholic beers that actually taste good. And you can find Athletic Brewing's uh, non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusives, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, so the fourth down play... I think for people that haven't been watching Houston and a big national audience of this game, because they were trying to watch Texas or whatever that hadn't watched Houston to this point. Um, I think a lot of people had to watch Houston. Like why are they throwing the football on fourth and about a yard and change? Um, why are they doing that? What, what are they thinking there? Um, et cetera. I'd point out a couple things. One, the play was open like Boogie Johnson, could have caught the ball slightly better thrown ball, maybe a little bit, you know, more acrobatics. Like it would have been a difficult catch, but it wouldn't have been an impossible catch. A little bit better throw would have helped, right? Boogie Johnson and uh, Golden uh, Matthew Golden were both open, right? Like 
the play should have worked. So I don't, I, that's that. I think part of the thing is like, that is one of the signs the execution could have been different. Obviously. The other thing I want to say uh, in looking at this play is that assuming there are some reasons that they're not going to tell us or that we're not going to figure out that we're not going to run like the tush push and we haven't done it all year. I do appreciate that we're consistent, right? Um, that like whatever they clearly believe in, whatever the cause may be. And I can already see you typing about that. I get it. I don't want to hear, I don't, that's not the thing right now. Okay. But if assuming there's some consistent reason as to why they're actually not going to be able to do that, right? Whether they don't have faith in the wedge blocking, um, you know, they worry about snaps under center when you don't rarely ever do it or, you know, they're worried about Donovan Smith's shoulder if he gets clocked because they don't, you know, necessarily trust a lot. I don't, I don't know, right? There's obviously, there's obviously reasons some teams are doing. Frankly, people like watching the Philadelphia Eagles do as they just won Sunday Night Football next to me um, because they think they're really good. It's really easy, really fun. It's, they call it like a cheap shot five yards or whatever. They end up getting two yards or whatever they get, right? But Philadelphia has a Hall of Fame center, a pair of all pro guards, and a quarterback that squats over 600 pounds and deadlifts near a thousand, right? Like they have a particularly unique setup. Now Houston has a big quarterback. I think Houston's got a very good center. I could see how you could see some of the similarities, but it's not exactly the same necessarily. Right. Um, that said, I would like the brother of the show over the tush push or what are you going to call it in Institute at some point, but they haven't put it in. And since they haven't put it in, I appreciate they didn't try and like do something that's outside of them, outside of their character, outside of what they do, because then when it goes wrong, it's like, well, we haven't done that all year. It's like, okay. Right. I think that's fair. Uh, when something you haven't done all year, it'd be hard to push off. The other thing I'll say too is that, frankly, I like the play they called, not just because Boogie was open that could have, you know, better execution with least to catch there. But what they've got is they got an RPO option, right? Uh, they got Don Smith on the move from the snap. He's rolling out to the right. Um, if there's no one from him, he's going to take off and get the yard, right? Like he's not trying to get a whole lot, but he can take off the edge and get the yard. Um, He's got Boogie Johnson in the out route. It's just a simple concept. We would call it a spout corner. So Boogie Johnson is running a like two yards up and breaking out right towards the sideline. And then Matthew Golden is running like seven or eight yards and breaking towards the corner of the end zone. Um, both, I think, might have been open. The Golden throws harder because you got to be like can't throw it out of bounds on the back of the end zone or whatever. Uh, but Boogie Johnson's wide open on the jump. And it almost looks like down and throws it expecting boogie to kind of sit in place and get the first down and boogie kind of keeps running the ride. So I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's called, but it looks some like some, you know, guys that just transferred in the university last spring and haven't played a whole lot of ball together in those kind of situations. Right. Like that's honestly what it looked like to me. Uh, I just, sucks that it was at the end of the game on uh, that crucial play. Right. It just looked like two guys hadn't played those spots enough together. Um, in those kind of situations, and and that's that's a drag. Um, as far as not running the ball goes, I think a lot of people online. I'm catching people. I mean, Painsworth five one two at Twitter. You understand five one two being Austin. That I got people in Austin, right? Um, the people in Austin are quick to point out. Well, if you can't run the ball on fourth and one, you can't. You shouldn't win anywhere. And that's just wrong. Houston should have won because they ran the ball to play for and got the first, but. I digress. Um, the truth is, is that the running backs had a combined, let me make sure I got the stats right here. The two running backs put together, Parker Jenkins and Stacey Sneed, had a combined 28 yards rushing on 12 carries. Houston had negative rushing yards in the middle of the second quarter. And for what it's worth, 
that was kind of the last point of the game when they stopped rushing the ball by and large um, that Texas at any expectation that Houston was going to run. People don't really put together like, yes, they need a just had positive yards and run. That should have been a first down. It was a first down, but they didn't get called that way. The play before, but truthfully, that kind of caught Texas by surprise. The likelihood of catching Texas air quotes by surprise a second time on fourth and one is super low. Um, and again, if you're not going to dedicate yourself to something like that tush push kind of play, I get why you're like, well, we're not going to run inside zone because we're not going to catch him again. Um, and you hadn't been running it all. You hadn't been running it effectively all game. And so you're doing what works. You're finding your guys in space and finding them open. It should work. I get that. I appreciate that. I frankly, as a coach, like that they're doing what they think is going to work based on their personnel, not what will work in a video game or on a chalkboard, right? If they'd run a tush push and not gotten it, we'd all be saying, oh my God, we entered like there'd be all kinds of complaints flying out all around the room because the truth is the complaints mostly come from people being upset that it didn't work. Right. Um, so I, as a trying to be somewhat objective, I don't hate the call at all. I don't hate the, I hate the fact that it didn't work, but it seemed like, and I, I, I like the kids we got, so I don't mean this is a shot at kids. It just felt like an execution thing. And it just felt like a thing where like, honestly, um, slightly better throw being on the same page. Um, <laughs> the correct call to play before and Houston's keep playing and, and keeps winning. Right. Um, that said, you know, could they have like wheeled back and thrown the, the uh, slingshot, throw the golden in the corner instead, um, man, the crowd would have erupted even louder on that point. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I think the throw to golden been really hard. I think boogie's wide open. Um, you know, didn't work out, didn't work out. And I think it's easy to be critical. There's a lot, again, I think there are plenty of things Dana and staff did not do well. Um, you know, you could talk about like why Stacey Sneed the running back in there when he has to bring the same kind of oomph when he gets tackled at like a Parker or even Mathis or you know, frankly, even Brandon Campbell. Like those guys all bring a little bit more pop when they run through the inside of the line. Um, personnel wise, they were kind of in his hurry up and Stacey Sneed was the pass catcher. So I get why he was in. Um, but fair criticism, right? Call time like the right guy. And you could call, frankly, <laughs> timeouts you could you could be critical of the fact that the defense called two timeouts and we're still not sure who called the second one earlier in the half right as far as like what was going on what was um what coaching mistakes were happening there again every coaching staff in america has flaws every single one the calls at the end of this game and frankly the offense from about the end of the first quarter on were not them they just weren't they just weren't uh they reeled off 21 unanswered points um, before ultimately giving up a field goal against that Texas defense, right? That Texas defense has been tremendous all year. Um, and frankly, the the receivers and the route combinations made the DBs look silly from Texas all year. Again, the bad throws for Houston second half were a pick where the quarterback receiver won the same page and a slightly behind the guy thrown out route on fourth down, right? Those bad throws. Everything else in the offense looked great. And, um, I think it's something you got to give credit where credit's due. People really want to be quick to judge when things are going poorly. There's a lot of things that went well in that game. I think that means you got a lot of things that you got to, got to, got to, got to talk to them about that went well as well. Now, if you're coming off of a loss and looking for some wins, let's talk about where to go get those wins. And the best place to go get those wins is prizepicks.com. 
because price pick is the most fun you can have. You can win up to 25 times your money back this football season. Just got to select two or more players and pick more or less than their projected stats and place your entry. You can test your skills on prize picks this football season. An exciting way to play daily fantasy sports without all the confusing, confusion and hassle and so on. Quick withdrawals and easy gameplay and enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. This week's on prize picks, I'm looking at hopefully on Monday night the Astros can get some runs in the game. Uh, I'm looking to see what the Texans got going next weekend. I'm looking across Houston Pro Sports because I'm feeling a little burned, right? But I'm doing all those kinds of things at Price Picks. Price Picks offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, like a Taco Tuesday, uh, discounts on slick player projections. Uh, you can have 25% more provi- more value too. With Price Picks re- uh, reboot policy, your entries can stay in even if one of your players gets injured. So NFL games, college football games, top 25 matchups. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return the second, that player is rebooted. That means Price Picks is the only daily sports platform with injury insurance. Make sure you go check them out. It's a safe way to play. Uh, PrizePicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, lockedon.com slash locked on college. Sorry, PrizePicks.com slash locked on college. Use promo code locked on college at a first deposit match up to $100. So I want to talk some – I could talk about this game all weekend. I probably will talk about it more than I should this week because we have Kansas State next weekend, and that's really going to be hard to shake. You can't let Texas beat you twice. That'll be the talk Thursday, Friday. I'm nearly positive about it. But I will say that there are things to take away from this game that the Houston Cougars did well, and there are things to take away from this game that I think we should be sure to hold on to. First of all, Houston, once they found pace with the size and speed of – UT Austin, right? They found several things that work on offense, namely that I think we can definitively say now, and I've said it for a while and I got laughed at Houston's got as good a wide receiver room as anyone in America. Texas could not cover them. They just couldn't full stop period. Simple mesh concepts, simple corners, deep posts and crossers. Texas was running circles around themselves trying to figure out where these Cougar receivers were going. And it wasn't because they were running convoluted things. It's because they were good. They had depth. They were fast and they were effective. And frankly, another point, I don't have fingers for that. Donovan Smith was freaking money. And that all played together to work core. We learned that Houston should be able to do this kind of thing. Now I know Dana has evolved uh, evolved maybe an interesting word there, but gotten away from the old air raid stuff, right? I know that we brought in Amanya Gavi to help boost up this run game, right? But we also have to look at, like, from a personnel perspective, we have an offensive line that was brought in the past block and has spent a lot of years. I mean, very veteran, but spent a lot of time with Brandon Jones as their offensive line coach, who is really good at coaching up pass blocking. Right, we've got the best wide receiver room, at least in the state, if not the conference, if not the country. Right, that's a darn, darn good wide receiver room, and it showed itself. Right, and for what it's worth, it may be in the back of his mind because it's a long time ago, but Dan Horkson knows how to get guys open. Right, and so all those things put together, I think we learned that like this need like definitively evident on the table. I this should carry over kind of stuff. Right. 
Texas showed that Houston should be able to pass the ball more. Because if they can pass it on Texas and all the five stars and the future pros and the this, then they should be able to pass it on anybody. Right? Um, now, they should have the advantage the rest of the year, including this next weekend at Kansas State. They really, really should. Um, defensively, one thing I think they learned, and maybe tomorrow's episode we'll talk more about the defense because I feel today was very offense-heavy. Um, the defense, after the first quarter, played extremely well and needs all the flowers because rough first quarter to get the speed of the game down, but man, they rose to the occasion after that. Um, they found some out, some things that worked as well. They're in an odd front. Uh, instead of the four, two, five, they went with what looked like a three, five, three or something kind of, um, to get Nelson Caesar and David Aguagbu kind of offline scrimmage and roaming. One of them was frequently in coverage or spying or something like that. Um, they also then had, Jamari Caldwell said Williams, Talik Robbins, and Dot Nwankwo all rotating in at the three defensive linemen spot. And those dudes were all balling, like balling, balling. Now, I like this a lot because I think the strength of this defense continues to be the defensive line and the defensive line group. And when you use the athletic ability of a Caesar and a Gwegbu to get offline scrimmage, you end up getting with, you know, a defense that has 11 bodies on the field at a time, you end up having five of those being from your best position group. Um, I think that's really, really important to keep track of there, right? It's If they continue to go to that odd front, it gets those five D-line spots, and you're using two of them. One of them would be a linebacker type on a given play. One of them would be rushing the passer from death on a given play um, to your advantage. I like that a lot. I It takes a lot for a coordinator to switch defensive identities. Um, some guys are just four two five guys. Some guys are just three three five guys. Some guys are 3-4 guys. Um, some guys are old bare front guys. That's not easy to do. So as much as as much flags want to give Belk for stuff that the defense did wrong the last two years, it's worth pointing out that that's a big overall change. That frankly, once they got used to the Texas size and speed, because those guys are big, strong, and fast, whatever, they were clearly ready for the game after that, right? Um, what's also next in some ways for the Houston Cougars, or what we learned about them, is that they got to get go get ready for Kansas State. Um, they have every reason to believe they should win that game. Um, now, is Manhattan, Kansas, a tough place to play? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a tough place to play. Is it going to be in the 40s with an over 50% chance of rain? That's what it says, right? It's going to be rough. <laughs> uh, it's going to be hard to throw the football in that, frankly. Um, but we saw glimpses of what this program can be. And that program is a team that can beat a Kansas State. Uh, frankly, we saw the glimpse of the program at home. We saw them playing in front of 43, nearly 43,000 people, right? Standing room only sold out, right? Um, largest crowd ever in that stadium. Um, we saw it was the band gate thing where UT Austin is worried about like how many seats their band got and da, 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 da. And as Joseph Duarte, the Chronicle reported, like they asked for 400 seats. They got 400 seats. They wanted to get some more last minute and they couldn't get them. Sorry, we had sold out stadium. What do you want to tell you? Um, the recruits were there. The recruits saw it. It's the only Power Five game happening in the state of Texas. So a lot of high end state of Texas recruits were there, and they saw it. They saw what this can be. Like they can saw wh- they saw where this thing can go. Uh, Brian Early talked about it afterwards on Twitter. Uh, Dana Horgan talked about it after the game in the press conference. We saw where this program can be. It can be the city of Houston showing up, turning up for the University of Houston. It can be Houston's own Agwegbu, Matthew Golden, Nelson Caesar, guys from the area making plays with their name on the city's name on their chest. Right? 
guys from the city making plays for Houston can be the reality of this program against top 10 talent year in, year out. There's no reason it can't be, right? It's close. It's really, really close. And I know it's like painful, and the weekend was painful because Houston got screwed at the end. But, folks, it is close, and it is close, closer than I think many realize. And I think if we just, like, we got to hold on because it is close. It can happen. It should happen. It's just going to take some time. Now, if you've got other takeaways from the game, we'll probably talk, talk about this game a little bit more the episode on Tuesday before transitioning over into basketball or Kansas State or whatever comes next. But make sure you tell me what you think about the game, what your thoughts were down below or on social media at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Blue Sky, uh, Threads, whatever you want to all social media. I'm all at Painsworth512. Thank you all so much for tuning in to Locked on Cougs today. Locked on Cougs, a proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network. And that means your team every day. Go Cougs.